the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 190. I am your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Stella. And we are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of June 12th through July 2nd. Three weeks worth of stuff to cover. Um, And let's just jump straight into news. The very first thing we have is on June 14th, it was announced that DC will be bringing back Batman Day. Now, I don't specifically dedicate this as comic news, but uh, it's it's mostly publicity or publicized by DC Comics. Um, Batman Day will be f- September 17th. Mm. Um, normally, basically, what happens is you, it's basically a, a another version of Free Comic Book Day in a way without the loads and loads of books that they have uh, at Free Comic Book Day. They normally have some sort of free Batman comic uh, that they will hand out or an excerpt from a Batman comic or something of that sort. Um, but it's September 17th, so look for it. Press release basically said that, of course, as usual, they will have a ton of partners as part of this, but uh, none of those partners actually give out anything for free, so it's just a matter of them supporting stuff. Batman Day. Yeah, stuff. More, more Batman stuff at your local comic book store. All right. Then, after that, it was announced on June 17th that the very first crossover of the Rebirth books will be occurring in September. Uh, The crossover is called Night of the Monster Men, and it will include Detective Comics, Batman, and Nightwing. Um, It is going to be written by Steve Orlando, and Riley Rossimo will be doing the majority of the art. Uh, This will take place in three issues. Uh, the I guess I should point out that it's the because all of these books, Batman, Nightwing, and Detective Comics, all have two books per month. It will take place in the second book of each one of those that are releasing during the month of September. Um, this is obviously a way for them to have some sort of refresh period for the artists and writers that are on the book if they're knocking out two books per month. Um, in some cases with the artists, a book every month, it's kind of a way to give them a break, I guess. Um, but the description for it is kind of interesting. It basically says that uh, the heroes of Gotham are pitted against a mystery-shrouded foe from Dark Knight's past where the they, they will be basically dealing with monsters, Godzilla-type monsters, uh, kaijus, stuff like that um, in the book. So... What do you think of a crossover this early in the game? Uh, this, we could file this under the most unsurprising news in the history of the world, probably. Um, we have the books, so I, I mean, crossovers are going to happen. Like them, love them, hate them. My only thing for anybody out there at DC that's listening, one, when I when I saw this, I first thought it was related to the you know the classic uh, Batman the Monster Men story, but it doesn't look like that's that's going to be what this is. Mm. Um, so I. I my hopes got up and then got immediately dashed by this Godzilla thing. And if if you, just something small, could you guys please put on the cover what part it is? You know? Like, yeah. If, yeah. If you, if you don't mind, could you put like Batman and the Monster Men part one, part two, so we know like 
what order to read them in because I every time we have one of these, I end up flipping to like the first part and going, okay, this is part one. And I was, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So if you guys could do that, that would be that would be swell. Yeah, and as someone who literally just finished reading and covering uh, Batman Contagion, mm. it's very, I mean, it was collected, obviously, but it is nice, you know, in the 90s, I think, you know, it's not just Contagion, but I think it's all those crossovers there that, you know, at the top right, it would say that, you know, how to how to follow it, and it's, you know, it's number one or it's number 12, so that is very helpful. Uh, I think it is a little too soon in the game. Um, I almost want this rebirth to... I mean, they didn't do this with New 52, I feel. Uh, you know, they. I feel like they waited a year until they started doing, you know, the villains crossovers and things like that. But why not, you know, let it sort of simmer, you know, on some low heat and, and, and get its feet under it and, and let us as fans also come more on board and better understand how this relates to what we've been reading before all of a sudden diving into a... A crossover, but that's just me, and you know, I guess we can't change it now that it's out there. What would have been the first crossover of the New Fifty Two? What would have been um, Night of the Owls? Owls? Yeah, so that would be during Quarter Owls, and that was it was actually May of twenty twelve, so it was just under it was about nine months later. Okay. So obviously, this is obviously much much sooner. This is going to be. I I should have pointed out it, it does take place in the last three or issues of those titles at the end of September, but there's also the f- t- those same titles have an issue in uh, beginning of October as well. So it'll be actually a six-issue story uh, spread out over the course of four weeks, basically. Um, I agree with the, the part numbers uh, posted on the thing. I think that this story definitely is going to come across as one of the ones that should have that, specifically because the title... Uh, because there is one writer and there is one showrunner artist at least. Um, so you should have it marked in some way, shape, or form which part is which so that there's no question about it. Um, but I think that uh, having a crossover this soon, I think in some ways you know, I'd like it not to be, but at the same time I did read, uh, we'll get to solicitations in a second for September, but the solicitations for September do say for Nightwing, Detective, and Batman that all of the story arcs that are going to happen in all three of those books will be ending prior to this crossover. So it's not like it's just going to happen in the middle of the story, which is the most annoying thing when it comes to a crossover. This also feels like a proper crossover, not like what they were trying to claim during the new 52, which was you can read whatever you want. You don't have to read these, you know, it's, it's a crossover, but uh, there's no reason you have to pick them all up because that's the same line we heard every single time there was a crossover having to do with Scott Snyder's uh, major story arc that was occurring at the time. And as great as that is for your wallet, Story-wise, it just feels like some of them are just unnecessary. Um, if you remember, we had Batwoman have a crossover part of Zero Year, and then we had a crossover two months later for Gothamtopia, mm-hmm. and it completely demolished what was they were trying to tell the the you know the normal story in the title um, for the course of. Uh, I want to say it was like four or five months before the this you know it got back to where it was supposed to be because also September, which was the special you know whatever a you know month 
that didn't have an issue, uh, it really screwed up some of the series because of that. So if they're going to do it, do it in a way where it makes complete sense. Don't have it happen in the middle of a story arc. And at least by everything that they're telling us about this, uh, as far as it happening after the fact, it, it being contained in, th in uh, the course of uh, three titles, six issues, um, I think that it's this is the smarter way to do it. And maybe it's just because of that's the way they used to do it in the 90s, and that's the way I prefer it. But this is really the way they should do it and not the way they were doing it in the New 52. Yeah, the the new 53, I mean, it's over now, so we can kind of look at it in retrospect. I think the new 52 tried a whole lot of you can have the, you know, eat your cake and have it too type stuff, you know? Hey, we're doing crossovers, but if you don't like it, it's not really a cross. I mean, like, eh. So I like this better, too. I think it's a much better way to do it. All right, so then the other small bit of news we have is solicitations came out for September. There's not a whole lot of... Uh, Surprises here, a lot of the books that we're still waiting to hear about, like Batman Beyond and Super Sons and Justice League of America, we still haven't heard anything about. Uh, we don't know. Uh, we assume they're going to be coming out in October. Uh, the one surprise is that Gotham Academy is actually returning in September rather than October, which was what we predicted it was going to be. Uh, I mean, Gotham Academy, Carl Kershaw, who is the uh, premier artist on that, title at least during the beginning of the run uh, he is moving over to co-writing and Adam Archer is going to be taking over the art um, over in Batman we have an Ivan Rice stepping in uh, to do the art for that issue um, outside of the series regulars on that issue um, like I said the Night of Monster crossover is going to have uh, Riley, Riley Rossimo as uh, the main artist but uh, Rohe Antonio and Andy McDonald are also going to be doing the art for that story. Um, as far as any sort of story details in any of these issues, there's not a whole lot to discuss. Like I said, Detective Comics, Nightwing, and Batman are all going to be finishing up their first story arcs. Um, I do have to say uh, it's interesting because a lot of the solicitations actually say this is part blah, blah, blah of whatever the story is. Um, I'm noticing it across pretty much the majority of them. Uh, All-Star Batman number two says it's part two in the solicitation. Batgirl number three says part three. So they're doing, they're, they're, they're specifically telling everybody, hey, everybody, um, this is what's happening. Uh, the one, the one uh, exception is Batman number six actually says it's an epilogue to the, it's a standalone tale, but it, it does deal with this, uh, you know, some of the elements that are previously happening in the story arc. Um, so the uh, full list of all the solicitations are available online. Um, you can check them out. Uh, there's not really a whole lot outside of that, other than you know, Gotham Academy it will be coming back in September. So, and kudos for whoever wrote this solicits this time, or is has been writing them. Since the uh, relaunch, they are managing to keep everything spoilery out of the solicitations, which is an attaboy because a lot of times when you start getting them, when you're getting towards the end of storylines, they get very spoilerish. So they've done a very good job with these. All right. So with that, that is all of our news. We're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews. And the very first one we're going to do is Dark Knight 3. Dark Knight 3, The Master Race, number 5. Writer, Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, and Andy Kubert on art. 
Um, we open up, and I know it's been a while. Some, some of you may have forgot where we were in this story. Uh, so quick reset the table. Uh, the Quar Red Kandorians are, are, were telling everyone in Gotham City they had a certain amount of time to turn over Batman. Um, that was where we were. I had to go back and reread it, so just a blur for everyone else. Um, but we open up in Gotham City, which is tearing itself apart after the ultimatum given to them by uh, Quar. Uh, we see Barry, who is indeed the Flash from last issue, um, whose legs are pretty messed up, totally totally shattered and kind of stubbied at the end. It doesn't look good. Um, and we see him talking to Bruce, and he asks if Bruce can save his legs. Um, we then see Carrie underwater with Aquaman. Uh, before cutting, cutting very craftily to Kor, again, flying over the, with the rest of the Kadorians with Laura, um, who tells Kor that you know her mother is on Paradise Island and that she has a baby brother. Um, Kor seems very surprised slash shocked by this news. Uh, and on the island, we do see just a very quick cut scene of Wonder Woman, who seems to be going a little stir-crazy and is not a big fan of this isolationism, apparently. Uh, cut back to Aquaman and Carrie, who have found Superman encased in the... Um, Whatever it is, the the black matter thing mm-hmm. uh, that he was in from two issues ago, and then we see Carrie use a uh, a special needle from Bruce, kind of like a tuning fork needle, that allows Superman to uh, to get out of this black matter thing. Um, Clark and Arthur Arthur talk and catch up a bit. Clark feels like he's been there for years, but it's only been you know like a couple of days. Um, back in Gotham, and we see Clark above admiring the fact that the people are really starting to tear themselves apart. We see Batman coming in his tank and start uh, dispersing the crowd, um, or setting the crowd up. I should probably be a better word for it. Uh, we then see Carrie and Clark arrive where uh, Barry is, who is like hanging upside down from the ceiling working on um, uh, computers, and he says he's manipulating the weather uh, using a pretty complex satellite system. Uh, time's up for Gotham. It's time for them to turn over Batman. They haven't yet. Uh, Yendel turns on the bat signal. As the light hits the sky, the clouds open up, and some type of kryptonite rain starts to fall. Uh, the majority of the Kandorians fall to the ground, uh, weakened from the kryptonite rain. Um, Batman remarks that they had to be diluted, so it's not enough to kill them. So we see uh, Batman turn the angry mob against the Kandorans, uh, starts fighting fighting them, and then we see Superman show up in a looks like a steel-type costume, uh, and he says he's there to help them. Uh, to be continued in probably December. Um, so the backup was Dark Knight Universe Presents Laura Number 1, and it was written by Frank Miller and Brian Azzarello, art by Frank Miller, and colors by Alex Sinclair. And it's, well, it's about Laura, and <laughs> she and Ball, or Bale, are having some strange fun with humans, basically basically uh, testing out their strength and everything. Laura, uh, she has a limit to this, whereas Bale doesn't really seem to have a limit with how he plays with humans, and he also thinks maybe it would be fun to kill them. Um, But she disagrees, and then there's a chase scene all around the world, and uh, it ends up with them having a very forceful uh, makeout, and then she kicks him and he plummets, and it seems like they kiss again. It's a very violent love scene, basically. And uh, <laughs> That's it basically is. it. That's basically it. Then she flies off. Strange stuff. So uh, with the main story, we see that there's this kind of thing where uh, Batman does this two-page spread where he's talking about the whole concept fear of fear and using fear as a weapon. And the reason he doesn't kill people is because of a fear. Um, it comes to be seems to be the thread that runs through the issue for his character. I was just wondering, what did you guys think of this? 
use of fear and more importantly Batman's use of it? Did this thing seem to be something that made sense for the story or did it, and did it seem to be in character? Well, it seems it seems to be in character for his normal character. I'm not sure if it's in character for Dark Knight Returns. Um, not to say that you know he's going around killing everybody, but it doesn't seem like the dialogue is matching up with the persona that we've seen over the course of uh, you know the first Dark Knight, the second one, and and this one not so, not so much. But I, I don't know that it matches up perfectly with that. Um, I will say that it make it does make sense what he's saying as far as you know fear is a tool. Um, I mean, as far, like, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of his normal, everyday comic character. This is definitely, definitely true. But I feel like mm-hmm. this is Brian Azzarello, you know, seeping into what Frank Miller is rather than, you know, it being a co, co, you know, job. I agree. I think it's, um, I mean, this is the nature of Batman at his very core is is using fear. Um, And, you know, the bat, of course, being something that he feared as well and using that to frighten criminals and things like that, right? Uh, Them being a superstitious and cowardly lot. So I I think it gets to the core of who this particular character is. Um, I I think perhaps maybe there's also... um, a lesson about having fear because I know obviously there, there's a sense of being a coward and, and that's there's like a negative connotation with that but I think if you have a certain level of fear and I feel like they just got you know to this uh, in a sense on Game of Thrones in this particular season where if you have a sense of fear I think it allows you to check yourself before you do something that's pretty disastrous. And the reason why I say I I think there is this is because at one point when he's in his tank, um, I assume (laughs) you would call it a tank. Bat tank, yeah. The bat tank, yeah. He's looking up to the sky um, and and he's, you know, all the Kryptonians or faux Kryptonians and, you know, saying fearless, you don't stand a chance. And I think that, you know, when you fear nothing, that's when something like potentially could happen because you'll just race through and feel like I'm going to withstand anything and then that's when you're the most vulnerable so I think there's um, because you know as you pointed out fear is a theme in this particular issue I think it's also you know does it make you human or um, you know does it also create some invulnerable vulnerabilities (laughs) you know with what's going on but you know I think this is absolutely his particular character it's strange though I think you know, in this particular universe, you'd think that he, um, I don't know, if would fear be the thing that he would look? Because I just feel like when I look back at that um, particular uh, fight with him and the mutant leader, like there was something more than, than fear or the desire to right. create fear driving him in that moment. Uh, so I feel like this, you know, for our Batman's sake in our universe that we're living, I feel like, yeah, fear drives it. But I don't know about this one who seems like very more, much more hardened and everything, uh, you know, Miller, Batman. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, I think that the fear thing is is definitely where we're seeing, in my opinion, where Azarello is taking the, ri- the writing reins a little bit more than Miller. Um I think you guys are both right. I think in the traditional ongoing Batman universe, this fear thing plays into it. I don't 
think it is quite as good in this universe since we've seen a much more hardened Bruce. That being said, it's not badly wrote, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I can see what Azarello is trying to do with it, but I think that this would have been, this is going to sound bad, I guess, but I think that maybe this would have been more effective for me if this had been Carrie delivering the monologue, you know, when zooming around the city doing something. This Bruce seems to be of a different of a different breed, but but still interesting, um, and, and, and kind of gives, gives some pause there. Uh, so the second thing, is, which is kind of the, what happens plot-wise in this book, is we have this uh, Kryptonian acid, kryptonite acid rain kind of thing going on here. With uh, mm-hmm. what you guys think of that as, as, as a plot point here? We you know we have a kryptonite uh, Kryptonian army, which is you know the definition of supposedly you know we, indefeatable, and we kind of come up with this magic kryptonite rain. Good 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 storytelling or not? Well, it definitely comes across as a. You know, do I say... Oh, Deus Ex Machima? Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Uh, It definitely comes across as that. I don't necessarily know that, you know, it was was the best thing to do, especially since this is really only the midpoint of the stories as as far as we're concerned. We're still getting eight issues. Just seems like kind of out of left field for the middle of the story. You know, this reminds me of a couple things. Uh, so it's not wholly unique. Uh, it, it reminds me of, if we're to keep in the DC universe, that one episode of Smallville. Gosh, was it season nine where like the people kind of turned into zombies, and then Clark had to use like the weather system to disperse the um, the cure? I don't know if you guys remember this or not. And it also reminds me of, if I'm to move away from that, Amazing Spider-Man, um, the the movie where uh, that that was. I think everything was dispersed with the uh, with the weather um, turning people into lizards, and then converting them back. Uh, so it's not like something we have not seen before. Um, you know, if you think about it, it probably is the best way to, you know, circulate a, a not necessarily a cure here, but, you know, weaponized weather. It, it's it's the way to go. Why it, it's happening now, I think, is sort of the question. Um, and, and, you know, at least my in my mind, I was thinking, if you want Superman to help you out, how is this going to work? But at least at the end, you know, it's sort of answered with his with his suit there. But you just kind of wonder why it's happening now, which I think gets to the point of what Dustin was saying with, you know, it's a day's ex machina. Like, suddenly, there's right. a weather system that we can use that can distribute kryptonite and take these people down. And you're thinking, well, maybe you should have done that before they had a rise to power. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a well-thought-out plot point, at least. Like, it makes sense. Like, this is the way to do it. But why Why now? Yeah, um, my thought, too, was since we're going to use this to thin out the herd, mm-hmm. why didn't we just create, start off with a thinned-out herd, you know? We could just start with three Kryptonians, not, not right. 300 of them. Yep. And done some more character stuff. Uh, it's fine. I mean, it's not like I'm beating my hands on the table saying, this is the worst thing I ever wrote, you know? But, yeah, I just don't kind of understand the point of it. It has a little bit of like, well, okay, I get it, but, hmm, we're going to do that, huh? Um, so I'm assuming next issue will be us kind of mopping up the Kryptonians that are littered all over town and whatever we do with them. So, yeah, that, that guy's kind of kind of just hear what you guys said on it, too. I just wasn't – it was fine, but it was definitely what it was. And then just the third little final point is, did you did you guys like the idea of us um, kind of fake killing off Superman just to bring him back in the very next issue? Um, 
when you kill someone or even act like you do, I always think it's better to make it last longer than an issue. So I was wondering what you guys thought the point, if there was going to be a larger plot point to us killing him just to bring him back in the next issue. Well, here's the funny thing. When I read that, I thought the exact same thing, and then I thought to myself, maybe that's why it's been like two months since we had the last issue. Hmm. I wanted to make it feel like it was longer. No, I'm just kidding. But re- re- <laughs> really, it just... Makes as much sense as anything else. <laughs> yeah, I know. But but realistically, um, it did seem like... what What's the point? I mean, if you're going to have one issue basically have something horrible happen, and then the next issue it gets resolved, but it's part of a larger story it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense you know i was complaining the last issue that you know we weren't really dealing with batman as much as i wish we were because it felt like it was basically just the justice league and Mm. here we get you know appearance by wonder woman aquaman's here flash superman um and then of course batman as well so i mean like it does still feel like that because they're all having some sort of role in this whether it's minor or not um they all seem to have a role and i don't know that batman is still you know the one who is you know at the head of the entire plan um he seems like he is but now flash is sitting here you know doing whatever he's doing that i'm presuming that had something to do with the weather as well but you know i i can't be for sure so I don't know. In my mind, it just comes across as uh, let's have a little bit more of a payoff for your dramatic things that are happening in one issue rather than having them just resolved in the next issue. So I think from the beginning of this, well, maybe not issue one, but, you know, like Dustin was saying, this really hasn't been a Batman story for me. I think potentially besides the first issue, which may have been the strongest with Carrie Kelly out there and everything. But, you know, bringing in all of these people, having Kryptonian people being the central villain, that, you know, is obviously going to lead you in, in another direction other than Batman. And I don't know if killing off Superman was a way to rectify that and make it seem like, you know... This is a Batman story. Batman can do it on his own. Who knows? But I wonder if they could have, you know, allowed him to stay dead to show that Batman could potentially defeat uh, these Kryptonians by himself with his own know-how and not necessarily the power of his fists. But, you know, in the end, they brought him back. And I guess the reason being, why not defeat a bunch of Kryptonians with a Kryptonian? But... I think, you know, unfortunately with the presence of all these different people, however great, you know, it is, this isn't, uh, it's not a Justice League book. It was titled Batman, so or The Dark Knight anyways. So I, I do question it, and maybe it's shock factor. Maybe it was to give a break and, and see what Batman can do on his own and what other resources he has. But I guess inevitably they they had to bring back Superman. Yeah, I, I think the other problem is, the delays in the book are maybe make it, make it feel like that, but think about we had Ray Palmer we haven't seen in this issue at all, and that certainly made it think that it was going to be a big focal point after his falling down into the subatomic world, and then we only get Wonder Woman for like two panels, and quite frankly, I, I find what's going on with Ray and Wonder Woman to be more interesting than the Superman stuff, and we're not getting any of that. Um, yeah, I don't see the point in this. I don't either. Just shouldn't have tried to kill him in the first place. Just, just had him uh, beaten up from battle, and Batman has to help him recuperate. Her. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. 
there's no point in, in, oh, he's dead, to just bring him back, like, the next issue that doesn't make any sense. My only thought could be that the black hole place that he was at is going to be used as a plot device down the road, oh. and Azarello had to set it up. Yeah. Maybe this is where we end up shoving all of the Kandorians in. Yeah, yeah. that's probably the case. Like, I, um, yeah. What's that prison called? The Phantom Zone. Phantom Zone. Yes, thank you, yeah. Um, that's the only that's the only thing I could think of, right? Like, well, we need to set up this, so we're gonna introduce it with Superman. So that's my only thought on it. But yeah, pretty much that's uh that's all I got for this issue. Okay, overall, I'm gonna give this issue a total yeah. of three out of five. I actually am gonna give this one two and a half out of five. I'll also give it a three out of five. All right, so over on the website, Matthew gave it three, so it's gonna give DK three a total of three out of five bad ratings. Let's move into our next book, Batman. Batman number one, I am Gotham, part one. Writer Tom King, pencils David Finch, inks Matt Banning, colors Jordi Belair. A plane begins its descent to Gotham as Jim and Batman converse on the roof regarding three surface-to-air missiles which were stolen from Fort Marshall a week ago. Two of them were recovered from a Cobra cell, but the third has yet to be found. As they speak, the aforementioned missile hits the descending plane. Batman leaves immediately and gets help from Alfred and Duke. Duke helps calculate an angle off Robinson Bridge to get up to the plane, while Alfred tries to contact various members of the League who are all on... Uh, different missions. Batman ejects from the Batmobile at the correct angle and velocity and boosts up enough to land on the plane. He contacts Jim to tell him where to put emergency crews and explains that he is going to push the plane to the water. Batman is in constant communication with Alfred who helps him figure out how to use the propulsion on the Batmobile's ejector seat to manipulate the plane's altitude and angle of entry. As the plane passes, a shadowy figure watches, having killed the Cobra member who shot the missile. As he stands, he says, observe the clock, Batman. At, uh, I just had a thought that that was a watchman now, but who knows. As Batman descends to the water, he knows that he will save the passengers, but will take the brunt of the impact and forfeit his life. He is assured by Alfred that his parents would be proud, and it is a good death. Right before impact, the plane is raised, and Batman assumes it is Superman. He quickly finds out that he has been rescued by a man and a woman by the name of Gotham and Gotham Girl, respectively. This is their city, and they are here to save it. To be continued. Is it too soon? <laughs> Here's my first question. Here, is it too soon to be threatening Batman's death so soon after Endgame? This is a, you know, it's a plot point in this issue. I'm yeah, sure we'll you know, move past it. But do you think it's too soon to talk about this? No, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think at any moment while I was reading this, I was actually thinking to myself, he's going to die. I mean, that I think that's part of the difference. The difference uh-huh. is with Endgame. And all of that, we we actually were under the assumption he was going to die. Um, so I never believed he was. It was just a matter of how do you get out of this situation. Um, every time, you know, he's, he says, oh, I'm going to call the Justice League. And wait, conveniently, the just I guess inconveniently, the Justice League are all preoccupied with other things that are, I guess, more important than saving an airplane full of people. Um, 
I'm just thinking like Alfred's response was, oh, they're dealing with worse monsters. And I'm thinking it's a monster. Who cares? Come back to it in five seconds. Um, but, you know, Batman still figures out some way of, you know, attempting the save. And it, it, it was interesting because um, if it wasn't for, you know, Gotham and Gotham Girl, you know, making the plane not smash completely into the ground, which mm-hmm. I think is in, in some ways it's slightly strange that it was explained that everybody inside the plane will be fine because the plane will be able to absorb the impact but Batman, who's on top of the plane, he won't be able to. So he won't be able to survive the impact. I, I guess I I don't know. I'm not a I'm not a physics uh, professor, so I can't figure out exactly whether or not that would actually be true. Um, how everyone in the plane would survive, but Batman somehow doesn't. It's not like the plane's submerging into water. Um, at the same time, Batman does have a bat wing that could have easily just been like grapple hook up to it or you know something i don't know but i guess back to your actual question no i don't think it's too soon because i never actually believed he was going to die i think that not even specifically with this one yes but even on a a broader like story thing i think threatening the death of heroes and characters that we know aren't going to get aren't really going to die is kind of tropey and should they should back up on you know what i'm saying like I, I understand putting people in danger is part of the story, but let's face it, every time there's been a major character death, we knew about it six months before it happened, right? Like Death of Superman, everyone knew about it forever before. We knew about the the fact that he was probably gonna die in Endgame, I think, got out a little bit. So I, I think the whole thing of, of trying to of killing characters in every book gets a little trope and I think they should maybe find other ways. Um I, in this story it was fine because it just seemed like this is one of those things I think we see so much that we kind of have to like suspend. Like, okay, it's fine. They're going to threaten this, kill the same person. Every, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think overall as a whole, we should try to back off on it. Not we, because I'm not writing anything. They, I guess, should mm-hmm. try to try to back up on it. Um, I didn't find it to be more offensive in this one than in, in other stories, but it is definitely something that I think we should they should try to take a look at. It. Yeah, it's almost like you know the little boy who cried wolf, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you do it enough times, are you going to believe it when it actually happens? Yeah, I I wasn't you know offended by it or or annoyed or anything. Uh, and of course, I knew that he was going to make it through. I think it was more of the emotional beats that I thought you know we're really playing this here because he's asking you know if his parents would be proud if it'd be a good death. Alfred's there on the other line and you know he's reassuring him that yes of course. So it's just like going through that is more like why, why are you doing this when we just got back from Endgame and, and all of the I think emotional uh, uh, what's a good word? I don't know. Not suffering but just right. like we yeah. went through trauma as fans I feel like you know yeah. with, with uh, Endgame so that's just my thought is like you know why not just injure him or something. Okay so this first issue has a plane that needs rescuing and this has been uh, imagery and, or, you know, I, I don't want to say a trope, but it's been something which is often associated with Superman as his first appearance in the world. Um, and then when it was redone, it is Man of Steel um, with John Byrne. So I'm wondering if this could at all be a hint as to who Gotham and Gotham Girl are. Not necessarily being Superman and Supergirl, but someone associated with that particular universe. You mean like Kryptonians, essentially? Yes, yeah. 
Well, I don't know. I mean, like, the thing is, I feel like there is some sort of mystery behind who Gotham and Gotham Girl is. I don't feel like they're just, you know, who they say they are. I feel like what would be the point of the story if it was just to introduce these characters that are not going to be part of Gotham City forever because doesn't their presence kind of eliminate the need for Batman in a way? I mean, I guess Batman could go back to just beating up thugs in the alleys, um, you know, who are purse snatchers, but there's a, there's so many vigilantes in Gotham uh, that I feel like these two, like, don't get me wrong, there are definitely things that, as even shown in this issue, that Batman cannot do by himself. Um, he admits it by asking, you know, Alfred to get help from the Justice League. He acknowledges the fact that he can't save himself if he saves all these people. So it's not as if, you know, there's not a need for, you know, somebody who actually does have powers. But the question is, what is the need for Batman if there is somebody with powers in Gotham City? And in a way, if they're actually if if the person who is needed to be in Gotham needs powers, and that is the solution to make Gotham not this dark and dreary place that is going to be it, why hasn't why hasn't it happened so much sooner? Hmm. You know, that's the that's the I guess the question that I'm wondering. But in a way, I just come across as like there's some sort of mystery behind who they are. Um, could they be Kryptonian? I mean, it's it's entirely possible. They seem to have at least the flight and the strength powers that Superman and Supergirl have. Um, but I feel like if it ends up being Kryptonian, it just there, there's so many different things, especially now with what you know. Just we're talking about with DK three. There's so many. It feels like the Kryptonian culture is just something that people fall back on when they're writing in order to have somebody who has you know the ultimate power set. And I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, would I be upset if it was? No, if, as long as there's some sort of resolution as to why they're here. But could they be associated with uh, the Kryptonian culture? I mean, it's entirely possible, if, at least what we're shown here. From at least what we're shown here. I will say that the whole part of Superman lore, that he is the last member of Krypton, has kind of been blown out of the water. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like... You know, besides Supergirl and General Zod and Fiora and insert name of other characters here, he's definitely not the last son, daughter, or any other representation of Krypton anymore. Um, Stella makes a really smart observation there with the, with the saving the flying the, the the plane. Um, I hadn't really thought about it. Uh, it does make a lot of sense though. I could certainly see that. I could also maybe see a plot point possibly being they represent themselves as Kryptonians. And maybe they're not. I could yeah. see. Yeah. I, I could see going that way because we everyone knows that that Batman and, and Superman are are boys. So I, I could I could very much see them going that way with it. Um, that might make a kind of a fun thing. And plus, it could bring in a little crossover. One of the real Kryptonian characters like uh, Kara or Superman to figure out that they're not Kryptonian could be inter- that could be an interesting uh, way to go. I, I don't know. Um, I, I do think that it's it's certainly possible. Um, I'm not really opposed to him being Kryptonian, it, it, as long as the story, as long as it works. You know what I'm saying? Like, as long as the story is good, I'm okay with almost any way they want to do it, as long as we get a solid story out of it. So, uh, good, good catch though on the plane still. Very good. Yeah. No, I was thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is as far as I got. I was just thinking about you know the imagery of the plane and and you know. 
<laughs> these people helping out and, and trying to get a clue as to who they are. Obviously, this is issue number one, and there, there are going to be more questions than answers, but I thought maybe it's plausible that it's got something to do with, uh, with Superman somehow. Um, but it's interesting, going back to what Dustin was saying about, you know, having superheroes or someone with actual powers protecting the city, and it goes back to that conversation, or I guess the, the monologue that that character was saying on the plane about, you know, this is what happens to people who live in this city. We don't live in a city with Superman. We live in this other place, and this is what we've turned into. And so it almost begs the question of whether depowered or human heroes um, could become or are becoming obsolete or irrelevant. Do you think we will ever reach that time? Do you think we're pointing to this with the fact that, you know, Batman was trying to save these people and he was getting there, but then, you know, these superpowered people kind of, I guess, took his thunder. They went the last 10% of the way or 2%. Uh, do you think we will ever reach that, that point where he's no longer necessary? Maybe that's the idea of what they're, you know, what the story arc is going to be. You know, if there is somebody with powers in Gotham City, what is the point of Batman? Does he need to even be around? Because really, I don't think that we all want to see stories of Batman just beating up thugs in the alley who are snatching purses. Um, but Speak at the for same yourself. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, the thing is, I guess I what I don't understand is if these people actually exist, why do they wait to the last second? Mm. That's the, the. I mean, like, obviously, yeah. you have to, you know, kind of build up towards it for the issue, you know, to make it work. But if I was Batman, I'd be like, so you've got powers, and you waited until I basically was a couple feet yeah. from the the water. What mm -hmm. what was the reason behind that? Why didn't they stop the guy with the or, you know the person with the rocket launcher in the first place? You know, if they're here to save Gotham because this is the heroes that Gotham deserve then why did they let this happen in the first place? So, I mean, like, but those are, you have to, you, of course, you have to suspend belief, you know, slightly in order to, for it to work. And obviously they're trying to achieve, you know, the gradual buildup with the emotional stuff between Batman and Alfred throughout the issue, leading up to what you assume is going to be his death. But most of us didn't actually assume he was going to die. Right. So in my mind, it just comes across as, if I was Batman, I'd be pissed that they waited to the last possible second to, you know, come save the day because they will get all the, the, you know, the glory. Not that Batman's in it for the glory. These people seem like they would be solely for the glory. Well, yeah, and you could take that even farther. Like, where were you guys a couple months ago when the Joker tried to kill everyone in the city? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, there, there is, there is that issue. Um, that kind of goes along with it. I think the reason is is going to be pretty obvious. So I think that the odds of, of Gotham and Gotham Girl actually being true blue heroes is almost 0%. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. they're going to end up... Like, if I, I just drop my wallet down right now on the desk. They're going to be villains. It's going to happen. <laughs> right? Like, that, that's what's going to happen. They're either going to be doing this to blackmail the city or because they want to be rich and famous and they go back. Like, they're going to be villains. That's what's going to happen. Now, the interesting question posed here that Stella brings up is what does this do for the vigilante? Like, it's always been kind of one of those, again, it's a comic book, so I'm, I'm cool with it. But you always have had to have the suspension of disbelief where when you have gods like Wonder Woman and 
aliens like Martian Manhunter and Superman and Green Lanterns with these magical rings. The idea that a guy in a bat costume would somehow not only be relevant but be a, would be a leader of these groups is, is, is has always required a bit of a stretch. But I think the key to it is keeping superhero – and I'm doing gigantic, doing air quotes. I do it all the time. Nobody can see it. Um, but doing keeping like superpowered superheroes out of Gotham. It's okay to have one visit, and it's it's cool to do crossovers. Um, but if you had a, a major character, and especially now that we see that the family book has you know Batwoman and Spoiler, and the, and the family's getting back together, I know Clayface is in it, but the ability to shift and, and and look look different isn't quite the same as being able to pick up you know a building. Um, I think by if having a super powered hero around would be terrible for the universe. I mean, even when, when they played with the idea of having Damien have powers for a couple issues, mm-hmm. we had to we had to deal with the idea that he could they'd go out and, and could beat up all the uh, the thugs in the alley and black mask goons insert name here uh, extremely easily. How is the Joker a threat to a guy that can pick you up and throw you into space? You know, like so I, I think it's vital to the Batman universe. Not not it's okay to have him around for a story issue or a story arc, but I think for the universe to stay what it is, I think. The vigilantes of Gotham need to stay, a, if not almost completely unpowered group, an extremely low-powered group, in my opinion. But see, the thing is, I, I I definitely completely agree with what you're saying, but I can see the potential story for someone with powers to come in and basically make Gotham the bright and cheery place because they don't have to deal with the crazy, you know, ground level criminals that you know Gotham deals with all the time obviously there's a much more important things that that uh, Superman or Supergirl or you know Green Lantern have to deal with that are not you know let's go deal with the Joker because honestly it feels like the solution for all of the crap that the Joker's done would just be to have somebody with powers come in Rip and, his head off. Yeah, okay, I wouldn't go that far, but I, 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 I you know, I, I see, I can see this potential, but I guess I, I just have to question. You know, you, you said you're, you're, you're positive that they're going to turn out to be villains. What if? I, I guess the question, you know, because they're creating these two characters from scratch. And they're basically, well, I mean, essentially from scratch because we've never seen them before at this point. But the idea that we're that they're creating these characters doesn't this also just present the question of why didn't they, why didn't somebody with powers already come in and do whatever they're about to do? Um, why is it that we needed to have these characters, you know, these brand new created characters come in and do this when there's a slew of characters with powers that could have done the exact same thing? So. I guess in a way, like I, I definitely see the story possibilities, but I guess at the same time, I think it presents too many questions that are unnecessary at this point. I don't listen. The idea of having them, I, I think that we're going to play with this very concept over the next two or three issues. Do you know what I'm saying? We're going to play with the concept of a bright and cheery golf of Gotham. I just. I just think it's not – I think it's great for a story, but a long-term status quo change in the universe of having powered people around I think would be bad. Yeah. Well, I think it's too soon too, but yeah, a big thing like that I think is true. Um, yeah, I, I feel like we'll never ever get away from Batman being – because that's, that's who he is. That's 
the nature of the hero. But it's just an interesting, you know, not only with these superpower people, but with that guy talking on the plane, I thought there's something up. Are we going to talk about how useful he is? And I'm sure there are storylines where he's gotten down on himself thinking, you know, if only I had powers, I could have stopped this. I'm sure we could all think of some. So. Yeah. So, uh, yep, that's my thought. And just a crazy thought that the the shadowy figure. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. Oh, okay. Um, can I say who I believe it may be? Yes, please do. I think it might be Rorschach. Um, given the uh, kind of, I don't know. It, well, there are a couple mm. things. First of all, the, the silhouette. Actually, as I was thinking, I know that it's not Gotham because it, he's not wearing a cape. It's obviously a coat. And just like literally as I was reading the synopsis, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think he might be a watchman. If only because of that quote. Yes, that, the you quote know, is definitely it. The clock thing, yeah. And clearly he's probably you know, not – I mean he's not with Cobra since he killed the Cobra operative. So I'm just going to put forth and say Rorschach. I'm kind of thinking about you know, the, the clock was always a big image with um, Watchmen and the end is nigh and all that jazz so I'm going to put that forth yes yeah, I mean I definitely <laughs> believe it's a watchman solely for the quote alone I don't mm-hmm. know that I would it seems like the character has a little bit bigger of a build than Rorschach the build mm. reminds me of comedian but okay. I don't remember comedian ever wearing a jacket so right. I can't say for sure um, but I definitely feel like it is a Watchmen. It's interesting because I didn't see anything anywhere when the issue first came out, anybody really talking about that. But I definitely feel like it is some sort of link to what we saw in DC Universe Rebirth with the Watchmen. So. And well done, too. Like, honestly, I like this very subtle, not detracting from the major story that we're having here, but also... The fact that we didn't have rebirth and then oh well forget about it we'll deal with that later you know mm-hmm. like subtly weaving this in I think it could be Rorschach I think it could maybe be Night Owl too um, I just think Night Owl would be the kind of natural one to hit up a Batman it does certainly appear to be Rorschach in this right um, but I think it was it was you, you I think you nailed it and I think it's really well done that they're just kind of weaving this in the background so that it's very subtle but to point Dustin I mean, I I didn't hear anybody else talk about it ever about yeah. the issue. Um, but I, I do think it was, was very well done. You know, the one thing I have to say is the actual silhouette of the character looks exactly like Midnighter. Mm. Mm. That's but, interesting. But, I'm not, yeah. but I don't think it is because, like I said, I, yeah. I, I think it's a Watchmen, right? It's Watchmen, but, it's, yeah. but it does have, like, the exact – I mean, and, of course, it's a silhouette. And, mm-hmm. you know, it could be any – it could be a comedian wearing a jacket. Uh, who knows? I mean, it, it could be a billion what, different op, uh, you know, options. But wasn't the whole point of putting the jacket on it? Let's, let's be honest. The only reason you go through the, the links of drawing the jacket is so we'll notice it. Oh, yeah. So, so doesn't that almost say, like, it may not turn out to be Rorschach, but I think they want us to believe that it's Rorschach, right? Does that, does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. like somebody's wearing his jacket in honor of him. Or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess they're going to have to rewrite Watchmen history because the, most of those guys are supposed to be dead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So not sure how they're going to handle that. should be interesting. All right. So overall, I'm going to give this issue three and a half out of five. Uh, I'm going to go four out of five. I really, I really like this. I'm going to agree and say four out of five. And over on the website, Matthew gave me four out of five. So that's going to give Batman number one a total of four out of five batteries. 
Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 935, written by James Tinian, art by Eddie Barrows. Uh, the issue starts off with uh, the team of Red Robin, Orphan, Spoiler, and Clayface in his Basil Carlo form, uh, battling what appears to be the apocalypse with everybody jokerified in Gotham City and the city burning down. As it turns out, this is actually a complete simulation. Um, that uh, it, It's a program that... Uh, Red Robin created using Clayface's mud, and it's called the Mud Room. Um, they were training for over three hours, but as it turns out, Stephanie and Orphan are all being overpowered, and Red Robin overrides the Mud Room so that it ends. Um, Batwoman says, uh, you told me your Mud Room could take it, and that he says, that's not the point. We worked all this, you know, we worked three hours. Um, non-stop were exhausted and she says yes but I need to know what the, I need to know what you do past the point of exhaustion um, so basically they're all kind of upset because one they can't go out and actually do any sort of crime fighting whatsoever because uh, Batwoman's not allowing it um, Red Robin is questioning Batwoman to begin with and saying you know I created this brand new base which happens to be uh, called the Belfry and it's a bat cave situated in the middle of Gotham City. Um, and the idea was to fight crime. But uh, she says, nobody's going out and fighting crime until I figure out exactly whether or not your guys are all ready. Um, Red Robin, of course, is questioning all of this and says he's going to talk to Batman about it. Um, and she basically says, well, the whole reason you guys need to train is because there's some sort of group out there that you know is putting together... Uh, you know, hunting vigilantes, and the last thing I want is any of you guys to have, you know, be be taken out. So Red Robin goes to see Batman. Batman ends up uh, visiting Azrael, who's in a coma, and uh, is being taken care of by Leslie Tompkins um, in the basement of a church where he has set up his own base uh, prior to the attack that we saw in the last issue. Um, we see Azrael come come to, you know, come out of his coma for a second, at least it seems like for a second, and he says uh, it's unforgivable, the colony is here. Um, Batman questions what is this uh, colony, uh, as well as Red Robin, but Batman doesn't actually know. He says, uh, I'm going to keep trying to figure out, but in the meantime, uh, we just need to pay attention to what's going on. And they have a nice exchange between the two of them, where basically Batman says, you know, uh, you know, Red Robin is questioning why, why did you give me this new suit? Why, you know, why am I here? What's the point of this new mission? What's the reason? And he said, uh, you always insisted you weren't a Robin. You always kept yourself at a distance. I respect that, but I need you to know you were a Robin to me at least. Uh, you don't have to pull away, Tim. You can come in. Gotham City is safer with you in it. Um, and then Red Robin says thanks, and he heads home, um, or appears to be home. But it's the actually the actually what seems to be the apartment of Stephanie Brown. And as it seems uh, wow. that that letter that was referred to in the last issue, that letter is actually from Ivy University. It's uh, for a genius grant. And it was told, and uh, Tim has been the one person who was offered the Genius Grant this year. Um, 
as uh, he uh, depants de- himself and <laughs> gets yeah. into bed. The word undressing, what you're looking okay. for? Okay. Uh, he gets he sits <laughs> next to Stephanie in bed when uh, Orphan pops in, and Stephanie says that she needs the apartment to herself for some time with her boyfriend. Uh, Orphan uh, smiles and leaves, and they discuss the fact that Orphan has not been sleeping very much, and despite the fact that that she has her own apartment, her apartment uh, she never goes to. She either goes to Harper's apartment or Steph's apartment, just chills out on the couch. Um, As they go back and forth with uh, some banter, uh, they end up having a kiss, and the scene cuts to their clothes laying next to each other, leading you to believe that something might have happened. Um, then, then we cut to uh, Kate's dad, who is getting ready to go to a uh, black tie event. Um, he's trying to tie his tie. They exchange. Uh, basically, we hear from the colonel that uh, he is the brother of Martha Kane. And that uh, when she started dating Thomas Wayne, it was the worst thing that ever happened to the Canes because uh, their father tried to separate them and lock her up because she didn't want he didn't want her to have anything to do with uh, Thomas Wayne. Um, but basically, he then goes on to say that uh, the Wayne's motto has always been "We stand apart," and Bruce Wayne slash Batman is the one who is the worst when in in regards to that motto. Um, he then explains that uh, he ca- that she can train the team, but he thinks it's wrong for her to be siding with Batman. Um, he she leaves, and he explains to her, "Just don't forget what I told you." Uh, we then cut to Batman, who's in the Batmobile, traveling through Gotham, talking to Alfred. Um, Alfred is explaining maybe he should have told uh, Batwoman about the colony and what he's found out so far. Um, but Batman says, I need to find out some more information when suddenly two vehicles that appear exactly like tumblers from the Nolan trilogy pop out and, uh, are in pursuit of Batman. Uh, another member of the colony shoots a giant EMP at the Batmobile, which causes it to crash and, uh, knock out his communications with Alfred. Um, Batman gets out of the Batmobile and uh, the colony member says, you should have let it go, Batman. There are 50 of us. We have orders to take you in. Um, as Batman's surrounded by a number of uh, these colony members, he says, you can try. Next up, Army of Shadows. Okay, so um, where should we start? Let's start with uh, the... I, I want to start with the exchange between Bruce Wayne and uh, Tim Drake on the rooftop. Um I, I feel like the few pages that we had of those two interacting was more interaction than we had the entire New 52 between the two characters, yes. um, which by all means is great. I love the exchange where Batman says, you know, the whole reason I brought you in is because um, I I need you and Gotham's a better, better place if you're here. It speaks volumes for the character that Tim Drake is and was pre-New 52 um, let's let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah, it, it works on every level. I think it's amazing how. Think about it without having to redo continuity formally, right? Or do you have a big story? 
they just did Rebirth, and they just said, we're going to start writing these characters differently, and it already feels very much like the Batman and Tim Drake from pre-New 52, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Without having to, like, redo the world or tell us some big story, they just said, hey, we're going to write it differently, and this is how we're going to make the character. And when I read this, I go, oh, well, this makes perfect sense. Uh He's with he's with Stephanie. This is a great relationship between him and Bruce. I do like that this this I think that this conversation had to happen in some bat book where they basically said, Hey, you know that other stuff? We're gonna act like that didn't happen and this is what we're doing. And although it may not make the best line for line story sense, I'm so happy that we seem to be getting this character back where it was and the family back to where it was that I can look past the continuity cock ups and say it's just fine. Loved it. And I, and I think the key there is that we're getting back to where it was and we're not making a huge leap to sort of erase everything that had happened, which is, you know, sort of one of my fears is like, let's just erase New 52 and get back. And I, I think the key in that is the fact that, you know, Bruce was saying you always kept at a distance. And I think that is clearly, you know, the New 52 where he was sort of forced to, to stay away and um, be his own person and his own character, whereas... You know, pre-Flashpoint, you had this wonderful relationship, which in the beginning of it, however well Tim did, I think there was always this weariness um, with uh, or wariness with with Bruce, and not necessarily wholly trusting him. Um, but now I think we're getting to a point where it, it's sort of the in-between, where we're getting back to the Tim that. Um, really worked hard, earned the respect and the trust and the admiration of Batman and was really uh, a great sidekick for him for a long time. Uh, but we're not necessarily forgetting that, hey, he was this leader that was on the, a leader of the Teen Titans who was on the outskirts of the Batman family. But um, So I'm glad that they're tying in and they're not forgetting about everything, even though, you know, we can all agree that the New 52 Tim we haven't really enjoyed and, and we feel like... Uh, it's more or less a bastardization of, of you know, who Tim should really be. Uh, but I, I love this. However short it is, you know, just one panel, uh, one page, uh, really uh, just a couple panels because they were talking about the case in the beginning. But, you know, the emotion there, and I think you feel a sense of nostalgia at, you know, what they were like um, back in the 90s and, and working their way up. So I think that this bodes well for their future. And if he can come in closer, I think, with the Batman family, that will be great. Yeah, and I think the the most important thing that I got out of this is that, you know, Tinian has done a really good job of, like like you said, Ed, not negating what has happened in the New 52, um, but at the same time, getting back to where the character really should be. Um, because there's, you know, there's just certain things that he says, you know, you always felt like you needed to be away, which was basically the entire New 52, but Batman is recognizing that he is important to the Bat family, and he he wants him to be in Gotham, which is getting back to the way it was pre-New 52. So just in these few panels, there's so much happening between, you know, establishing the relationship that should have always existed, but seems to have gone away because of New, the New 52. So great on that. Next thing I want to talk about is Stephanie Brown, Tim Drake. Yeah. Um, so we, we see that they are... You know, she's definitely calling him boyfriend. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And they're <laughs> definitely getting busy by the end of the page. <laughs> um, <sad> Dustin. <sighs> but, but what I guess I, I, 
the 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 one thing that I think like I'm I want to see these characters together, no mm-hmm. question about that. But I guess what I want to go from is how do we get to here? Yes. Because exactly. if you go from the New 52 and and really the last interaction between these characters was really Batman Eternal, mm-hmm. um, which was a good chunk of time ago. It wasn't. It didn't just happen last month. Um, Batman Eternal. They you know had interactions. Stephanie really wasn't even really that involved in in Volume Two. In Volume One, she had interactions with Tim Drake. But really, it seemed like, at least in my mind, Volume 1 was kind of establishing a relationship between Harper and Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they had Stephanie as part of the mix at the beginning of Volume 2, it was kind of like hinting at there could be something there, but Harper was still kind of there. Mm-hmm. And they had such a relationship that was built up in Volume 1 that unless Harper was out of the picture, there was no way that Stephanie could even exist. Conveniently, Harper is out of the picture because of what happened in Eternal Volume at the end of Eternal Volume Two. But how did we get from them just having playful banter in Eternal to their, you know, boyfriend girlfriend who shack up in the middle of the night? Well, when a boy and girl like each other very, very much. No, um. I think that we did, there's been enough time there. I think you you hit it there when you said between Eternal and now there's been what's the best guess six months? Yeah, I, I would know. say six months. And the thing is, we did see spoiler appear in other books. That's that's really where this 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 comes from. Like, I want to see the characters together, and I have no problem them just putting the characters together either. But if you just look at what has come prior to this, it just doesn't seem like. It's it's in some ways a little shocking because when you come from the last issue where they're you know you see the playful flirting banter that they have, it just comes like I wasn't getting across at least even in the last issue that they were a couple they were together. It was just you know that's their banter the same banter we saw in Eternal but now it's kind of like hey this is not banter this is actually they're in a relationship. And I'm okay with that. Like, I get that there is definitely some missing here, and, and, and we may even get the story in the future, but I think there's been, like you said, probably about six months between this and Eternal and where we are now. And since they kind of had that banter in Eternal, I can I can perfect, I, I can live with an off-page land somewhere mm. in the past six months they got to, I mean, that's, it, it's that's better than Stel's, the alternative. That's Stel's favorite place. I hate off-panel land so much. I don't like it, but it's what I think it's what we have here, you know. Um, now maybe they'll tell us the story at some point. Um, and it's funny because I didn't even really think about it. I guess this just goes with having read these characters for a long time. It seems so natural and normal to see Tim and Stephanie together that I never thought like I don't know how they got together because in my mind I do, but it happened in a different continuity pre fifty, you know. Um, it happened pre-New 52, but when I saw it, there wasn't – my mind didn't have this, uh-oh. What, I was like, oh, yeah, well, they're together. Well, that's they're supposed to be together. Like, yeah, I can get where that would be off-putting, though, where you'd want to, where you'd really want to see it. And now that you've made me think about it, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm kind of curious about what happened. Um, but, yeah, my brain just said, oh, it's Tim and Stephanie. They're, yeah, cool. So, yeah, makes sense. Maybe we'll see the story, but uh, I just think that the only thing we can have is that times happened and these two – they're together now. So I will first preface this by saying 
I'm happy that they're together. You know, it's certainly a couple that I enjoy seeing. However, the, it really seems random. And this is, you know, th there are other people texting me, Don and Josh, who are, you know, happy that they're together. I think Josh was somewhat questioning, you know, how she played in Eternal and were they together. And, and Don went along with it a little bit more. And I said, well, it, it seems a little random. And this is why Rebirth concerns me a little bit because I don't want Rebirth to be like a Band-Aid fix-all that, like, we're just going to put it together and there's no explanation needed. And so I feel like there's a stark contrast between what I was just talking about with Tim and Batman and seeing Shades of New 52 as well as, you know, Shades of Rebirth where, where we have this and it sort of erases what was going on and now we have this new status quo with no explanation necessary. Uh, Dustin, you were talking about Harper, and I think all of us were, I mean, perhaps me more than everyone, were getting, like, major hints of some shipping going on with those two. And... Oh, definitely, because... Like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, physically, like, you may not see them together with, you know, Harper being this punk rocker, but clearly, like, that technology and the knowledge with that was something that tied them together. She had a crush on him, you know, in sort of a fangirl way. And then I feel like we almost took that character, or at least the technology aspect, and all of a sudden molded it onto Stephanie. Because if you remember in the previous issue, the yeah. rebirth issue, I guess, oh, yeah. there was that line about if you, I can't remember what it was, but if you blah, 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 I'm going to reset your, you know, your password or like something that would probably be pretty advanced knowing who Tim Drake is as a character. And someone being able to do that, reset the computer or whatever it is on Tim Drake's computer, the only person I could think of you know, even conceivably doing that would have been Harper Rowe, not at all, you know, Stephanie Brown. So my problem with this is not the romantic aspect at all. It's just like it seems random and that someone said we're just going to put them together. And I think as, as major, I feel like this is a major plot point. You know, all of a sudden they're together. This isn't like, I can't even think of an example that you can put in off-panel land where you can just accept it. But, you know, stuff that's major that happens in off-panel land, it really does upset me. Because if we're supposed to care about a relationship like this, you need to build it up. And this is one of those reasons why, you know, I, I, I say again and again that Kate and Maggie were the best relationship because it was built up. It wasn't, you know, these characters all of a sudden had sex the first issue and then they're together. You were building up, you were building up that relationship. And so we already have an established relationship here and you wonder, like, when this happened, if it's so important and we should care about it, why didn't we see the transition from Eternal or whatever is going on? And that's why I don't like off-panel Ant, and that's why I don't like this particular uh, portrayal of this relationship. Because it's people really love these two characters together, but I think that this is a bad job of putting that them together, unfortunately. What it does is it comes across as, as if they, because Harper Rowe, is not in the comics anymore. Yeah. And maybe it's just because people were listening to me complaining about <laughs> Harper Row for so long. Yeah. But like they got rid of her at the end of Eternal and she basically said she didn't want to have anything to do with being a superhero anymore, uh, at least for the time being or whatever. So I mean like they got rid of her, but they had spent so much time building her character that 
I don't know, like they decided because there was also that line in the last issue too, where Batman's describing to Batwoman who spoiler is, mm-hmm. and he says something about technology as well. Yeah, and I just kept thinking to myself, other than like in Eternal Volume One, her her claim to fame was that she was chatting with people on an online forum. Yep. About you know horrible things that are about to happen. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was her. That was her basis of technology knowledge was that she was chatting on a forum. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, so to me, it just comes across as Harper's gone, but they took a lot of the elements that they used to build that character and just Mm -hmm. smashed together with spoiler. Because honestly, the other thing with spoiler was that she did not come across, at least in the first volume, that she was willing to work with hardly anybody. Mm -hmm. She wanted to do everything on her own. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, here... And and it's it's and it's going to come across as a complete criticism because you're gonna because of what I'm saying. But like, I like the characters together. But like, right. so I just want it explained better. Yeah. It's not just you know, uh, you know, jazz hands in front of you. You don't remember what happened. You know, it's not it's not really? a situation. Yeah, I don't know. I don't jazz know what hands. I. I don't know. That's not a bad pull. That's pretty good. I, I I I couldn't come up with anything better. But basically, it's not like a flash of light that just you know everything changes and it makes sense. And you know, you go from one page of you know it making complete sense as to the explanation between Batman and and Tim Drake to the next page where these two are just together and they've mm-hmm. been together for quite some time. You know, I. I want these characters to be together. To be together, it's not at all because of that. It's just I would have rather them actually explained it because I remember specifically last episode when we were talking about the first issue, talking about how we can see the banter, we can see the flirting, we want to see these characters together. But I don't think any of us assumed it was going to happen the next right issue, away. Yeah. The next issue. Yep. Yeah, and I think you know, in terms of Batman, I think there is also. A, a higher level of trust and um, I guess a view that she is capable than I would think he would have a spoiler. So when he was also talking about that to, to Batwoman and saying how capable she is, he's had more of an experience with Harper Rowe and seeing her journey than he has with spoiler. Really all he knows about spoiler is that she's had some training with Catwoman and then she's worked somewhat with, uh, with Batgirl, but it seems like all of a sudden... Her her skill level has really stepped up a notch, and I love Stephanie, and I think that she gets there. But I think in this point of her career, she is not as capable necessarily for the heroine biz as Harper Rowe was. So I think that's yet another like let's merge this this character in, which is it's unfortunate. I know this isn't the Harper Rowe show, but it's just unfortunate because there was a lot of focus paid to that character, and to all of a sudden just like put her aside is. It's kind of sad. You're like, what? Why did I have that time invested in this character if this is what what was going to happen? Exactly. And I also think it's unfortunate. I, I, you know, hold on, hold on. I got to see this. The whole <laughs> the funny thing is, are you going to clear the air? We invested so much time into the character of Harper Rowe only uh-huh. for her to just disappear yeah. and her yep. character elements get melded into Steph. Yeah, that's the biggest thing because there was so much time spent with that character, <laughs> as you probably heard me complain about Yo, for yeah. almost five years. <laughs> As much as Batman complained the first time we saw her. I would like to go on record as saying that I agree with Stella. It is unfortunate <gasps> that this isn't the Harper Row show. Yeah. Oh! Uh, moving along. 
All right, so so I don't. There's nothing really to talk about regarding the colony. I mean, again, this is another one of situations where (laughs) Batman is seemingly outnumbered and is going to, you know, be in trouble. But it's Batman, so I'm not expecting it to. You know, I'm expecting to actually open up the next issue of Detective Comics and see all of these guys laying out and Batman alive. Um, Not that I feel like they're trying to kill him, but anyway, the thing is. Um, there's nothing really to talk about in regards to the colony because, like you said, Ed, we don't really know anything else about the colony. They're still setting up a lot of the characters that are part of the Bat family, which is perfectly fine with me. Um, the one other thing I, I do want to discuss briefly is, you know, we get this history of the Keynes and the Waynes. Mm-hmm. And I, everybody knows, Stella wants to point it out every time I say the word okay. history, oh. is that I love the history. <laughs> yeah, it does. But, uh, you know, this is actually interesting because I feel like this is, and maybe I'm mistaken because it's been such a long time since uh, the stuff happened with Batwoman when she was first introduced, but I feel like this is the first time we've actually had uh, Colonel Kane say that he is the brother of Martha Kane, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce's mother. So I feel like that hasn't been said. I mean, it was assumed because he has the name Kane. She had the name Kane. We right. knew that they were cousins. But I feel like this is actually the first time that that's been said on page that they are, you know, completely related. We knew that they were cousins because that's been said. But I feel like uh, we didn't actually understand the entire connection there. Um, so great on that for actually being said because it just cements the history that should have already existed at some point, but I feel like it just hasn't. But the one thing that I thought was interesting is that he points out that the Waynes were all about standing apart and Batman's like that. And again, this is kind of like throwing some, some shade at Batman for, you know, his entire new 52 run because he was the character who has to stand apart from everybody. He didn't want to have to deal with, uh, you know, having help and having assistance, regardless of who it was from, whether it be the Bat family or whether it be other heroes or whatever, that's how the character was. So in some ways it feels like, you know, Tinian is throwing some shade at what Batman was during the New 52, but at the same time, that's not all it is because we're still being shown that Batman is... You know, he doesn't tell Batwoman everything right away, like uh, he was, he said last issue that he was going to. Um, but I read this crazy theory online about how Colonel Kane might be actually behind the colony. Whoa. Yeah, and at, oh, first, like, at first I just kind of was like, no, I don't really think about it. But then I started, like, overanalyzing and overthinking it and thinking to myself – Okay, I guess it's I guess it's somewhat possible. It's not entirely outside of the realm of possibility, but the idea that he has gone and created this, you know, or maybe he doesn't create it. Maybe he's just, you know, he gets brought into the fold. Um, I don't know. But like, what do you? How do you feel about the relationship between Kate and her father right now, and how he's, you know, basically denouncing her relationship with Batman? Um, knowing that Gotham City is kind of the area that Batman's always occupied and they chose to set up shop here. So I kind of think what we're going to do with this here is I think this is setting up him finding out that Bruce is Batman, right? Hmm. So I think that we now that we know that he's Martha's brother, I think that this I think we're going to see him really put like the I don't trust this Batman character and you shouldn't either and I think we'll have a reveal to him 
I, I, well, hold on a second. I actually feel like he already knows. You think I, knows? Was say, I yeah, think because, so. Because he actually <sighs> says, you know, he says Bruce Wayne, Batman in the same sentence together. And I feel like what would be the point of saying the two? Like, so that, how could but, he is? How, why would he be saying that, 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 you know, the Waynes have always, you know, their motto is we stand apart. If he's talking about Batman and saying what she's doing is wrong. If he didn't know. I, I just always put that on the old Batman Inc. Connection where everyone knew that Wayne Enterprises was kind of funding Batman. I've always put that kind of stuff on it because think about it. That would mean that he knew that Bruce was Batman, but he was keeping it from Kate because Kate just found out last issue. But she didn't. She said she already knew. Yeah, she did. I don't know. I I don't think he knows. Personally, I'm I'm probably wrong. It won't be the first time today. But um, I don't know. I just feel like he doesn't know. I really don't. Um, But, I mean, I don't know. I, I guess if you're talking about... Why did he set up shop there? Maybe he feels like they're going to do it a better way, or there are doing, or were doing it a better way. Um, that can be the only real thought because if if he already knows, then he and, and they they did take on the symbol of the bat. She is Batwoman, not Squirrel Woman, you know. So, I mean, one could only assume that he quietly has some begrudging respect for Bruce and the way he's doing things, or he thinks he's going to make a vast improvement to the way the city is ran. So I agree with Dustin. I think that he knows, if only because why bring up family history and Wayne Kane, um, as well as the Batman situation. If uh, if he didn't know, uh, as for why, you know, I can I can totally see her him wanting her to stand on her own. Um, you know, I I think that you know, from the beginning of her particular run that he was training her to to be her best and to be a solo hero. And, you know, that, of course, was symptomatic of the New 52 and and her being on her own. But I think that he wants her to sort of um, only rely on those that are, like, blood family, uh, which would be him and then, you know, potentially bet. I'm not really sure where she stands in this universe, actually. Um, and I also feel like he may know something about, because she's not even fully trusted by Batman in that mm. sort of enigmatic scene where, you know, Bruce is talking with Alfred and, and like, it's clear that he's, I don't know, researching her. I mean, she's very much like the Asriel um, of uh, pre-Flashpoint, uh, post-Nightfall, all of that stuff, where he may use Azriel, but he's, you know, not 100% trusting of him. So I, I think this is, th- there may be, like, some sort of motive behind uh, using Kate here, and maybe uh, her father realizes this, and, and that's why he wants her um, on her own, and maybe he just doesn't trust, you know, the uh the Waynes. Uh, maybe there's some sort of deep-seated, you know, Montague Capulet-esque uh, rivalry there. Um, but I think he just wants her on on her own, and uh, it would be interesting if he were if he were behind uh, these the colony, the Brotherhood of the Bat, as I like to call them, um, because their relationship doesn't seem like it's the greatest right now, given the rebirth issue and like that sort of tense call. This seems like a better conversation, but if that happens and, and he is like that fallout is going to be huge, and I think like she may cut ties because clearly that's not on the up and up. So if he is the leader, uh, that's going to shake this particular relationship to its core. 
And if you were playing at home, that's another Shakespeare reference, so take another drink. <laughs> I haven't said one of those in a long time. Come on. Have no fun. All right. So overall, I thought the issue was great. Um, I, you know, I love that they're continuing to build up these characters. Like I said, you know, even though we're two issues in and we still don't know a whole lot about the colony, I'm sure we're going to get some more information next issue just based off of the cliffhanger from this issue. But the fact that they're actually spending time to develop the characters, which you know, that is always something that James Tinian has actually succeeded very well at is developing the characters. Um, when when he's doing it by himself, he does a great job. Um, so for this issue, I'm going to give four out of five. Yeah, four out of five. I mean, the book is good. It's real good. I will agree and say four out of five. And over on the website, Ian gave it four. That's going to give Detective Comics number 935 a total of four out of five batarangs. That is all of our books. Let's jump over into Greater Gotham. As far as books go, the first week we have is June 15th. The uh, main TBU books, uh, we already discussed Batman number one. As far as secondary TBU books, which include miniseries and digital first, we have The Dark Knight Returns, The Last Crusade number one. As Joker plans another escape from Arkham, Batman trains Jason Todd's Robin as they take down both Killer Croc and Poison Ivy. Robin's viciousness becomes too extreme, leading to some bad decisions that lead him directly to Joker. For the fateful ending. This was reviewed by Matthew. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Um, kind of wish this was attached to Dark Knight 3 as like the zero issue and more, more at, at big, a bigger part of the story because it, it is pretty good. Thumbs up. All right. Next, Dark Knight, a true Batman story, number one, an autobiographical account from writer Paul Dini who recounts a night in 1993 when he was viciously beaten and required facial surgery. Mm-hmm. Through the account, visions of Batman and his world come into the story to comment upon Paul's feelings of self-worth, views on women, and getting back to the world in the aftermath of his mugging. This was viewed by Donovan. He gave it five out of five, and I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. It is borderline depressing to read some of it, but... Uh... It turns out well in the end, but it's it's not truly a Batman story, like a traditional Batman story, but it is an extraordinarily well-wrote uh, book. Neutral? Okay, and Poison Ivy, Cycle of Life and Death, number six, the final issue. Ivy battles the transformed Dr. Grimley, who has designs on Ivy's new family and the thrilling conclusion to the miniseries. This was viewed by Jerry. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Moving over into the main DC Universe books involving TBU characters and elements, Justice League number 51. In a story set five years in the past, Robin is brought into the Justice League mission to help Batman. In the end, he saves the day, but paints a target on his back by a mysterious villain who tells the story from their perspective. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. Neutral. Titans Rebirth, number one. The six members of the original Titans are finally together as they attack a stranger with speed powers. Each member suddenly remembers that the stranger is the long-lost Wally West, the original Kid Flash. This was viewed by Jim. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. 
Thumbs up. New Suicide Squad, number 21. The team comes together to take down Adam Reed and the Fist of Cain, but not without the mission's share of casualties. This was reviewed by Bill. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. Neutral. Uh, moving on to secondary DC Universe books, including TBU cameos, Injustice Gods Among Us, year 5, number 12, which includes digital chapters number 23 and 24. After the murder of Alfred, Superman's strategy of getting Bruce out of hiding works. Bruce faces off with Damien after tracking down Alfred's murderer, Victor Zaz. And then Green Arrow, number one, Black Canary not only appears in the title, but now as a partner to Green Arrow. It appears that Oliver will be dealing with his own version of the Court of Owls as a secret organization has been uncovered with uh, with ju- who just happens to wear masks, some of which look fairly familiar. All right, and then moving into our next week, we have June 22nd, main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics, number 935. Robin, son of Batman, number 13, with Surin Darga, afflicted by a strange energy drain. Robin and Maya fly off to Russia in order to battle against the resurrected Den Darga. As Robin, son of Batman, comes to a close, Damien must come to realize who his true family is and what it means to be the son of the Bat. So this is reviewed by Ryan. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Mm, neutral, thumbs down. Yeah, neutral. Harley Quinn, number 29. Harley is on a mobster's hit list and has to use some transformative automotive robotronics to fend off his attack. This was reviewed by Jerry. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 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 No secondary TBU books this week. Uh, Main DC Universe books include Justice League number 52. As the world reacts to the death of Superman, Lex returns from Apocalypse and decides to honor the fallen hero and take up the mantle of Superman as the new protector of Metropolis. This was drew by Bill. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Thumbs down. Neutral. Teen Titans number 21. The issue shows... The Battle of the Titans and the Brain, in the end, they are victorious. However, Red Robin is kidnapped by Amanda Waller of the Suicide Squad. This review by Jim. He gave it four out of five and give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. And secondary DC Universe books, Suicide Squad, Most Wanted, Deadshot, and Katana. The issue concludes the stories of Katana and Deadshot. Katana defeats Cobra and gains a new friend in Halo. The squad fails in their attempt to acquire the Soul Taker sword. On the Deadshot side, Floyd kills Evans to regain the title of Deadshot. He rescues his daughter and leaves her to rejoin the Suicide Squad. And over in Deathstroke, number 19, Slade is put in a situation where he agrees to swear allegiance to Ra's al Ghul and the League of Assassins if they are able to save his daughter's life. After Rose returns, Slade becomes a part of Ra's upcoming war with the realization that both Rose and Jericho have been recruited into the League as well. And then finally, uh, the last week of the month, June 29th, we have main TBU books. We already talked about DK3, number 5. We also had Grayson Annual, number 3. A meeting is called by Jim Corrigan for people who have come in contact with Agent 37. These include Harley Quinn, Azrael, Simon Baz, and John Constantine, who all share their encounter with their encounters with Dick Grayson, only to be surprised at the end of the meeting. This was reviewed by Corbin. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Neutral. And no secondary TV books, main DC Universe books. We have Teen Titans Annual Number 2. The Teen Titans are partying at a nightclub until they are attacked by green creatures that resemble Beast Boy's animal forms. The team mm. discovers that Professor Pig sold Beast Boy's blood to Sister Blood in order to use Beast Boy's powers for her own reasons. This was reviewed by Jim. He gave it 3 out of 5. I'm going to give this one a neutral. 
Thumbs down. <laughs> Neutral. Ridiculous. <laughs> all right. And that is all of Greater Gotham. We're going to jump over into our bat signal and discuss our comments that we have over on the website. So we're going to start off with the very first one, which comes from Don. I agree with Stella and Ed. I prefer Black Bat for Cassandra's costume identity. It was uniquely her own. I'm hoping the acceptance letter Tim got was for college because he has to be college age now, especially if Damien has been aging at least two or three years. And correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't Stephanie know who Batgirl is? I thought there was an issue or two where they both were together out of costume. I'm going to respond to that, if that's okay? Yes, please do. Okay. I don't... It's... You could potentially say that they do know who each other is. She... Let me just put it this way. Barbara Gordon absolutely knows who Stephanie Brown is because she was asked by that one guy uh, to help her out after Stephanie Brown left um, Catwoman's uh, protection, basically. However, when she meets her uh, and saves her from that, she puts her in an apartment and just says, like, it's it's some friend of mine and, you know, never removes her mask. Any of the meetings that they go on, she will always have her mask on. Code names are always used. In issue 46, which is what you're talking about when they're out of costume and they're in a police costume and they go to a GCPD, Barbara Gordon is wearing sunglasses, uh, again, you know, which inside is a little strange, even for a cop. So I, I don't think anything, um, you know, was really revealed there. And uh, Steph and Harper, you know, I guess give and take Harper, are not at Barbara Gordon's farewell party. So I think all of those, like she's never referred to um, as Babs, whether in or out, um, code names again. So I don't think that Barbara Gordon is known as Batgirl. And I think it would be silly for Barbara Gordon to reveal her identity to somebody like Spoiler. And I don't mean that insultingly, but Barbara is very particular about the people uh to whom she reveals her identity. She's very protective of that as well as other people's identities. I mean, she didn't tell Dinah for, you know, years. I feel like it was at least a year until she revealed to Dinah that she was Oracle and her name was Barbara Gordon. Uh, so if that gives you any indication, uh, Spoiler would not be the person, someone who's new on the scene, she would not readily reveal uh, this her identity to her. So I'm going to say no. Those are my reasons why. Okay, and then in regards to the other comments, um, Black Bat does make the most sense. It's way better. I don't, really, I, I don't like better. the name. Of, I don't. I don't understand why she would take the name of her father. Right. When you know she didn't. <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense. I'll just leave it at that. Um, like obviously, we know that the acceptance letter was for college specifically, yep. the Genius Program, which. Um, we, we already Genius. discussed as well. So we're going to move straight into the next comment, which comes from Ian. I agree with you about Black Bat. Much cooler name and costume than the new one. But the writing for her in Detective was really solid. And Tinian has promised not to have a silly plot about psychically learning English, so that's hopeful. Tim was 16 in Batman and Robin Eternal, and Steph was 17 in Batman Eternal. So I don't think it's college unless they're going with genius, uh -huh, must attend college early. Even though Tim never actually graduated high school in Red Robin before Flashpoint. At least, I don't think he did. 
I'm with you, Don. I think Steph knows Babs' identity, but Stella has read carefully and disagrees. Until they say one way or another, I'm guessing we won't know for sure. They were together at a costume at the police station, and Babs was making comments about her identity, but there was never a direct moment where Babs said, Stephanie, I am Barbara Gordon. Uh, yes. Uh, she was go. afraid, obviously, that she would be recognized, and then she did make a thing about how, you know, I, I dated that guy once, but it's not like Stephanie Brown would know who Liam is. So I still stick with my answer that they, she doesn't know. And it makes sense why she would keep the glasses on the police station too. Yeah. She, she'd be she would be more likely to be noticed by all the cops that work for her dad. So that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. the other the other thing that I guess that we really haven't dealt with is like so you know obviously she Steph knows who Tim is mm-hmm. and she knows who Harper is. But does she know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? I wouldn't think so. I mean, the thing about all these characters is that they never reveal somebody else's identity. Uh, Even though you may be in the same circle, that is their secret. So I don't think that either of them would reveal that, and I don't think Bruce is ready necessarily to reveal that. Um, Unless, of course, you know, he's taken on the whole... Harper Rowe is now a spoiler situation. Yeah, I only say that because it's just it's interesting because you have all these characters. I don't see Batgirl popping up in Detective Comics anytime in the near yeah. future, mm-hmm. uh, especially with us knowing that she's supposed to be going to Asia, and at the same time she's running the Birds of Prey. You know, it's uh, she's anyway. busy. Yeah, yeah. She, she's preoccupied with many other things right now, so I don't see her popping up. So I don't know that it's extremely relevant whether or not she knows that. I'd be more interested in knowing whether or not she knows the members of the actual team in Detective mm-hmm. Comics because we know she knows who Tim Drake is, obviously. So mm-hmm. the question is, does she know who the other members are? Specific, well, I mean, And she knows, obviously, who Cass is. So it really comes down to Batwoman and Batman. Is she... Does she know their role or their identities because she's dealing with them? I don't know that that, you know, I'm I'm positive the Batwoman one hasn't been addressed. I don't recall Batman's identity being revealed to Steph at any point. So, or at least, you know, within the confines of the last, you know, six years worth of publication stuff. So in my mind, I just have to wonder, you know, that's, that's really more why, like, Barbara's not around, so that doesn't really make a difference. And honestly, Barbara hasn't been around a lot of the other bat. I feel like Barbara's actually going to become like the Tim Drake of this new, where she's interacting sure. very little with the other characters. Which, I mean, even New Fifty Two, she wasn't interacting that much with Batman and the other members of the the main Bat family. With you know, like there was the occasional Dick Grayson popping up, or you know, Jason Todd and her had you know whatever the heck they had going on. Oh. Batman Eternal, but like yeah. the thing is, she hasn't really, she wasn't in Batman and Robin Eternal at all, and she hasn't really interacted with the main Bat family outside of a couple small little things here and there over the course of since she moved to Burnside. So, you know, I don't know that it really makes a difference one way or the other whether she knows for sure who she is or not. Mm-hmm. And I will clear something up Birds of Prey happened, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey happens after Batgirl. So after she gets back. From oh, the so it's Batgirl, then Batgirl. So, okay. Well, yeah. Makes so sense. They should have that explained that a long time yeah. ago. I know. It was just like illuminated for me um, a couple weeks ago. So I just wanted to, because I know that was a question that I had and, and we all had. So there you go. It makes a lot more sense now, though. I mean, it makes a whole lot more sense. So. Yeah. All right. So moving to our next comic, Mark says. 
I really enjoyed the podcast. In reference to my last comment, I used an article that talked about Rebirth having a long-term plan. I remember you guys having worries about the long-term story plan for Rebirth, as do many DC fans, including myself. I understand the article I linked was an editorial, and it wasn't an attempt to counter your feelings on Rebirth so far. I was hoping the article would have eased some worries. I'm also in the same boat as Stella. I'm keeping myself guarded, but so far so good for DC Rebirth. I also find myself worrying about the future, but right now I can only enjoy the here and now. Some things that keep me excited about DC is allowing creators to be more creative and signing creators to exclusive deals, while allowing them to do their creator-owned titles. Anyways, have a great week, and what titles in July slash August are you looking forward to the most? Okay, so going back to your article, I, I, I think that some of us here... I mean, now that we're a month into Rebirth, I think some of our worries have been subsided, um, especially with some of the issues that we had this this month or this episode. I think a lot of our concerns, you know, I think have been dealt with. So um, as far as books that I'm looking forward to in the next two months, well, I can take a wild guess and say that Ed is going to say All-Star Batman in August. <laughs> I don't know why, why you come up with that. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're bosom buddy. But uh, as far as you know, some of the other titles. I mean, we have Batgirl, Batgirl, Birds of Prey. We have Nightwing. Um, we have the new version of the Suicide Squad, Harley Quinn, um, All Star Batman. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something. There's, there, I think there's a Red Hood and Outlaws, but nobody cares about that. I don't think that's what we're excited for, though. <laughs> um, but I'd say out of all of them, like I'm. I also am pretty excited about All Star Batman because I keep seeing I, Snyder keeps putting out little bits of art that are that's you know in the first issue on Twitter and the art it looks, looks spectacular. Yeah, uh, it, it's amazing how good it looks. And I also it's also interesting because although I'm slightly concerned about this, he has said multiple times that this first story arc that deals with Two Face, there's a bunch of villains that you have to really dig deep into the Batman universe in order to know who they are. And I love references to characters that you don't see all the time. You know, I love that reference during Endgame of with Crazy Quilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though it was a different imagining of the character. Um, I like when they reference, you know, the history of the universe as a whole by having these little, like, little Easter eggs, per se. And he keeps saying over and over again that there's going to be tons of Easter eggs and stuff. And I love looking through a comic and pulling out Easter eggs. My only concern, of course, is that if he is showing off characters that we haven't seen in a long time, I'm concerned that he could be reimagining them into the Snyderverse, per se, um, which doesn't always gel well with what I what I like. But at the same time, I appreciate that. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but... Outside of the box, outside of you know what is what 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 most people would expect, I'm actually looking forward to Suicide Squad as well, partially because of the Jim Lee art, but partially because I feel like they're going to do a much better job of making sure that it's a top tier book because the movie's coming out in August as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing what they can what they do in that story. And if you read the April Fools special back in April, which was in some ways a prelude to what's to come in August, that actually got me pretty excited about what's going to happen with Suicide Squad as well. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, 
as one could probably have guessed, I am looking forward to All-Star Batman. Mm -hmm. Uh, The art does look sick, though. (laughs) I mean, it looks really good. Um, Outside of the the TBU stuff, though, I'm looking forward to that's when the Hellblazer, number one, will will get his rebirth, Constantine's story. And um, I'm looking forward to the Supergirl rebirth stuff, too, because I think that... um, that could be very interesting. I agree with, with almost everything Dustin said about the books that are coming out, but I do think Constantine and um, Supergirl could be interesting. I am looking forward to, cautiously, of course, uh, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey and Batgirl. I think you know getting the original team together of, of Batgirl is going to be very interesting. No, I'm sorry, of Birds of Prey is going to be interesting. Uh, but, you know, given this sort of like, uh, you know, on the fence between Rebirth and fifty, New 52, I can't tell, you know, yet what the characterization of Helen is going to be. So, that, you know, I'm a little bit uh, nervous about that, but we will shall see. And, you know, Batgirl, I think, even though I, I disagree with her going off into Japan, uh, I am looking forward to, to Hope Larson uh, and what she has to, to offer. And Nightwing, I think, you know, getting it, it just gets me like, I don't know if nostalgia is the, the right word since it's only like five years, but it's just great to see him in the actual blue costume and not the not the red, and, and it's with one of the, the authors that or the writers that has been with him for a while. So I'm looking forward to that, and I'm hoping he doesn't have sex on a plane with somebody in the first two issues. <laughs> you may be disappointed. <laughs> no! I'm sure you'll have sex. Super special thing. Hundred bucks says he has sex in the first issue. Come on, it's gonna happen. All right, moving on to our next comment comes from Ian. I totally sympathize with Stella with regards to being wary. Wow, I'm just popular on this one. Though unlike Don and Stella, I really dislike the Batgirl Burnside run. So I'm mostly happy that what is going on is being shaken up. Though I have to say, the previews for Batgirl haven't really gotten me excited about anything. Detective Comics really feels like the heir to the true Eternal series. And since I'm a big fan of those two series, that's really good news for me. If you don't if you didn't enjoy those, I'm guessing that it's much more meh, but I think Tinian has a solid handle on his characters and plot, and hopefully the art teams will be more consistent than in the weekly comics. The first issue at least was really solid. Well, I would have to say obviously you left this comment before the second issue came out, but the second issue I think the art was very solid too. Mm-hmm. Um I just, it's, it's it's great because Eddie Barrows did both issues, which we actually thought that because they were going to have two artists, they were going to be alternating. But it seems right. like they could be doing two issues at once, and then just having you know more time to to I I don't know. I mean, like I feel like eventually this is going to catch up with them. They're not going to be able to keep doing it like that. See, you know what my fear is of this, and I even hate to bring this up because it's been so good so far, right? Is you know how. I hate to do this. You know how both the Eternals, like the first five or six issues were great, right? And then it just, like, the farther we went, the worse it got. Yes, but I I can immediately say the reason I feel like that happened is because we started to go off on these these side plots. Um, With both Eternals, after, like, the first couple issues was written by Tinian with, you know, the setting up everything. Anytime... Eternal actually had the issues written by Tinian. I think they did a really good job. Um, he progressed the story. It was the other stuff that kind of hindered the story, in my opinion. Um, which, not to say that the other writers that were writing those those small story arcs were doing a bad job, but I feel like 
they got so they, they felt like they had to put in so much stuff that they had all these side plots that really didn't add to the story because they all circled right back to you know whatever Tinian's point was for you know the the small run that was going on, but I feel like he has a handle on it, and if he wrote it individually, that's what we're getting in Detective Comics. Oh, I'm not saying you, dude. I'm I totally hope you're right, but I just have that lingering in the back. You know what I'm saying? Like, is the art going to start to really suffer? At, you know what I'm saying? The longer they go, I do think that this idea of having this little mini series and giving them a break might be, you know. I'm just I'm afraid that the art will really start to suffer the farther we get into this by monthly release schedule. I'm hope, I I absolutely hope I'm wrong, but well, you're I, probably right. I mean, honestly, what'll probably end up happening is I have a feeling we're going to start to see I mean, like we're already going to see it with Batman number 6 in September. That sixth issue is going to be drawn by Ivan Rice, who's not one of the normal artists on the book. And then there's still going to be two weeks off after that. Or two issues off before you know the normal artist we presume is going to return. So, I you know I definitely can see what you're saying with the art. I hope I really hope it doesn't happen. Um, the one thing that I I feel like would alleviate it for sure, where they wouldn't have any issues, is if they had a third artist team on the book. Yeah. But I feel like that, to at least DC's perspective, would be overkill because they're not releasing three issues per month. They're only releasing two. But I feel like if they had that third issue, the third that third artist on the title, they would have bigger breaks for you know the artists where they wouldn't have to they wouldn't have any excuse of running into issues. Yep, I'm not, I, I I think we're both on the same page on that. Yep. <laughs> if they alternated per arc, that would work well because then it wouldn't be like choppy. Yeah. You'd have one artist for you know six issues or whatever. I guess five for Batman and then new artist, new story, and then come back. Yeah, I guess the only problem with something like that is six issues only happens in three months, so you'd have to mm-hmm. like be working like super far in advance in order for that to actually be able to work out. I mean, I that would be great if you got one artist to do the entire arc, but I feel like unless the arcs were only about like maybe four issues, I feel like six would be a little bit too many because unless they were like I said, like unless they were just way in advance, like Tinian was writing stuff for. You know, at this point, he's writing stuff for 10, 11, 12. You know, I don't know how they would actually be able to do that. But, yeah. All right, so next comment comes from Don. Also, not to put too fine a point on it, as this isn't something worth continuing as a talking point, but again, with the presumed seduction of the first six months of the New 52, I feel I merely have to point out, point to the first issues of Batgirl, Catwoman, and Red Hood and the Outlaws to illustrate our thoughts at the time because our disdain for those issues were almost podcasts in themselves. Okay, so as you make a point, when it's not worth continuing ta- <laughs> talking about this point. We'll take yes, your advice on that one, Don. We, we definitely yeah. had we had some issues. Um, I think Catwoman. like you said, the the initial beginning of the New 52, we, you know, we probably were a little bit um, blinded by the entire overall marketing of it. Um, but yes, there were issues on some of the books. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. So next comment comes from Dave. Pretty sure the letter in Detective was from Bruce saying something like, I'm forming a special team in Gotham. I would like you to join. Come to this location for more details. That's... That was how I read it, at least since the issue was very heavy-handed with the boot camp concept. 
Well, obviously, we know that wasn't the case, but it was. A, but it was a good guess because, I mean, honestly, there was too. there was nothing that we could, <laughs> nobody could have guessed what that letter was until they explained it in this issue. But I guess that's the advantage of having a book. You know, only having to wait two weeks for the next issue is that. You know, you can get the answers to some of your questions right away. Um, and then we're not going to continue on with the letter because that seems to be the, the, the thing that everybody was talking about. Ian went on to say that in the issue of Detective, it actually was the university, Ivy University's Genius Grant Program. But that's, that's what it is. So that is all of our listener Q&As. I implore you to head over to the website and leave your comments on the website for the next episode. We will be back in two weeks, um, so you have exactly about one week before we record the next episode um, to leave your comments from the time you're listening to this. I uh, Again, these are great comments, and we, we, we love discussing a number of things. So if you want us to discuss something specific that has happened in whether it be one of the issues that we cover in depth something that is happening in one of the issues that we don't cover in depth, but we do mention it during Greater Gotham, or whether it's something that is just from the, you know, the confines of the Batman universe in general, we love to hear listener Q or listener comments and uh, give us discussion points to talk about. So if you have something where you're picking up an old story arc and you have a question about it and you'd like us to, you know, help you out in understanding something, that's what we're here for. So, Head over to the website, leave your comments, and we will talk about those on the next episode. In addition to that, I implore everybody to head over to the website for all the latest news and editorials from the Batman universe. Be sure to check out all the reviews that we have to offer. Practically everything that we talked about in Greater Gotham does have full in-depth reviews and synopses of each individual issue. So uh, you can definitely check those out. A lot of the, the staff who are writing those reviews, uh, they comment. They, if someone leaves a comment asking questions, they will respond back. And you know that way you can get your questions answered specifically about certain issues or stories that are happening. Um, we do have a couple of openings for comic reviewers. If you are interested in reviewing comics, we also have some uh, openings for news writers as well. Um, so if you are interested in, in participating with the Batman Universe and helping out in any way, shape, or form, be sure to email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. In addition to that, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube uh, for all the latest news and videos from the Batman Universe. Check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. There's new podcasts dropping every single week, um, so be sure to check out the website to see what is the latest podcast that we have to offer. Also, we're still running a donation. Uh, we're still accepting donations, that is, uh, to help with the server costs. We're hoping to wrap the drive up by the end of the summer, which leaves just under two months. Um, if you guys can spare $5, $10, however much you'd like to spare for TBU, if you enjoy what we produce here, your help is greatly appreciated in going a long way to help us in the future. Um, hopefully, with the raising of funds, we're also coming up with some unique ways uh, to uh, reveal, I guess, towards the end of the summer um, for ongoing support um, with some cool things, but uh, in the meantime, we need to get those servers paid for to keep everything that we offer available for all fans. So, that is that. Leave your comments on the website. That is everything. As I said, we'll be back in two weeks. So, this is Dustin. Oh, this is Ed. 
And this is Stella. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. 